We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. As always, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And I'm joined once again by my co host, Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, it's uh, always fun. I touched on this a couple of weeks back. We get ready, we talk about preseason. It feels like the NFL is really, really close. And the first thing that really kicks it into gear is those injuries. So, uh, unfortunately, we've seen a couple of those pop up over the last week or so. We've seen a couple of suspensions. There's lots of things happening. You really do need to be on the ball this time of the year. Uh, I, I tend to try and uh, take the the beat report stuff that pops up on Twitter with a with a pinch of salt. Obviously, you know some of it will be very relevant, some of it won't. But there is no doubt about it, Sean. We are right in the heart of preseason, getting ready for it. That's an exciting time of year. So really, really a lot of stuff coming coming thick and fast, and we'll be hitting on some of that on today's show. We'll be talking a little bit about projections on the show today. We'll be talking about second year breakout wide receivers, and we'll be talking about some RB landmines to avoid this season. So. Lots of good stuff coming up. Really excited about today's show. But Sean, how how are you feeling over the last week? It's uh, it's been a little bit of an uptick in the news the news cycle. <laughs> it's always fun to see which players are popping in that first week of camp. I have an article working on uh, just before the show talking about those Arizona Cardinals wide receivers. Obviously, they've got a couple of interesting veterans, uh, but they did a fantastic job with their rookie selections to really get that desert air raid going and uh, it perhaps doesn't come as a surprise that with three extremely productive college players that they drafted that the last of the three 
is the guy who is getting the most buzz right now, Keyshawn Johnson, who was a fantastic college player with three consecutive years with 30% or more in terms of dominator rating. And it's interesting because he's a player who obviously drafted later than Andy Isabella and Hakeem Butler, the two really high-profile, sexy names there. Two players who I think are actually still undervalued in terms of what their combination of production and athleticism uh, looks like when it translates to the NFL. But even with that being the case, I talk a little bit in the article about how Johnson has you know, some similarities, obviously a poor man's version, but some similarities to guys like Cooper Cup and Kenny Galladay, you know, four-year seniors who then transitioned to the NFL and uh, certainly did not take long to break out. So not necessarily expecting that kind of performance from him, but when you have those you know, great metrics. And then he's one of those players who is loved by the scouting community and the Cardinals beat writers, the head coach, the GM, just gushing about him as a route runner, claiming that he's the best route runner in the entire draft, essentially, you know, fantastic hands, uh, getting the offense very quickly, immediately developing this rapport with Kyler Murray. So as you said, we want to take those with a grain of salt and understand that most of these, you know, especially late round rookie, you know, puff piece types of favorites, once the actual season rolls around, those guys are going to more or less vanish. But it's exciting for them when they are playing well at this point. It's obviously much better to be playing well than playing poorly. If you're a late round pick, just making the team or even uh, making sure that you are a priority uh, practice squad kind of player. I mean, that's a big win at the beginning of your career there. So it's exciting to see guys who are good college players being able to to really translate that to the NFL in the early going. And, and like you said, this is just a, a very fun time of the year reading the different reports and, and seeing who's doing what. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the prospect of him being the the best the best pass catcher uh, in this draft, or the best right runner in this draft. Uh, I think looking at Twitter, uh, Curtis Samuel uh, might be the best wide receiver in the entire NFL over the last week or so. It's uh, it is really a fun time of the year, but it's all about balance and not not overriding things. But the interesting thing to always look at is sometimes it is where you can gain uh, quite a good value as ADP starts to shift a lot now over the next week or two. Before we get into talking about the topics on today's show, as always, I want to let the listeners know that you can get an exclusive discount to a road of his nfl pass right now for 10 percent off that is through the nfl podcast homepage that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast get ready for the season we'll be talking about all the articles on today's show they are all available on the site as well as some of the apps that we'll be talking about so don't miss out that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for a 10 percent discount the other part that we've mentioned over the last couple of weeks is the Patreon uh, group that is up there and we're doing the Slack, Rotoviz Radio Slack for the 2019 season. We're getting more and more people signing up each and every week. And of course, I mentioned on last week's show that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be giving away some FFPC $35 entries to some double up leagues. And of course, the listener league slots are available there. So those giveaways for the FFPC entries exclusive to people who have already signed up or sign up over the next couple of weeks. So do not miss out. We're giving another two away this weekend so if you're signed up before that you'll be included in the draw that there will start from six dollars per month for patreons and then the nine dollar tier also get some merchandise at the end of the season sign up become a road of his patreon today don't miss out join the slack group lots of good conversations going on in there that is patreon.com forward slash road of his radio help us to continue to produce high quality industry leading programming once again that is patreon.com forward slash road of his radio 
So, Sean, jumping into the second quarter, let's get into it and look at some of the stuff up on the site. One of the pieces that I, I wanted to, to give a touch and a highlight to this week was from Dave Cabin, uh, and it is the road of his projections at a glance that he has done up and, you know, projecting some of the, the, the overall tallies that we might see this season before we get into the article i want to give a plug to dave uh he was hosting solo this week for the rv flagship show uh wrote of his radio podcast and he was joined by john lipinski uh, i thought they'd done a phenomenal job on this week's show breaking down some of the injury news we mightn't talk about it on today's show because they've done such a fantastic job of it but lots of good talk there uh covering the aj green injury and some other interesting stuff uh, on there so do check that one out but sean as we looked into the projections dave's done a fantastic job here and um, what what really stood out for you in terms of some of the players and, and maybe talk a little bit about the app in general and how Dave has uh, has set this one up for us yeah so Dave is our uh, senior fantasy analyst and also the guy behind the scenes on so many of the different tools uh, long time followers will know, will know him as the mind behind fantasy draft prep uh, the draft dashboard just came out the other day, so you can use that tool as you are drafting. It has all kinds of information about player stats, ADP, projections, tiers, and helps you understand you know who potentially will be coming up next, which players are going to be drafted between this pick and the next pick. So you can look ahead and decide, well, I need to pick this player here, and I can wait a little bit longer. For this tight end that type of thing the other thing that dave has done is he has his own projection machine in the past we've had a couple of different versions of that on the site and i, I think the thing that i may be most excited about this week is we're about to debut mike beer's version of it uh, and so we'll have another projection tool for users to come check out and be able to look at a crazy amount of detail in terms of historical team trends for passing running play volume offensive coordinator head coach in and look at how the different players and the different roles within those offenses have played out in the past so going into that with a little bit of background there we know that dave is using a very advanced system to do these projections and is looking at very specific kinds of things with predictive value when he's making uh, when he's putting his numbers together there one of the things that he talked about uh, specifically in the article is that wins and losses are a big driver of overall play volume and that play volume is going to really factor in here in a second when we talk about a few of i think the surprising projections and that's what everybody wants to hear about you know where are the guys going and and which are the surprises you know who should we be looking at earlier you know what's controversial about what dave has done here so let me just start and throw out a couple we'll look at the quarterback position first he has jared goff third and aaron Rodgers all the way down at 12 with goff finishing a little bit slow last year how does that sit with you and then as a green bay packers enthusiast and with the different changes there i know you're optimistic about them uh, do you feel comfortable with rogers sitting down in that position uh, one thing with uh, Rodgers, particularly over the last couple of years, it just hasn't been consistent. Um, you know, his overall finishes mainly uh, down to injuries. Um, so last year, we know he was banged up for a large majority of the season with the the knee issue. Uh, the season before uh, had the collarbone issue, which uh, led to him missing the majority of the season, like from the kind of uh, early quarter point through. Uh, so he's had those issues, which obviously has affected his overall finishes in terms of fantasy points. But one problem with Rodgers, even in his MVP seasons, has been 
that he has had games where he's absolutely dominated and then obviously there's been games where they've blown teams out in the first quarter uh, and then they are the first half and it's led to uh, not as much fantasy production throughout the rest of the game a team a player like Goff for example I think is somebody who's severely underrated this season I think there's recency bias when we're looking uh, back to last season particularly after they had that bye the week before the bye they had the or the, the game before the bye was that game with Kansas City which was the massive shootout then after that it really didn't uh, pick up for them but the interesting thing this this season I think for the Rams is going to be how they rebound from uh, you know the loss in the Super Bowl in terms of the the wide receivers they have I'm very excited for that I do think overall they will still be very very high scoring uh, and I think that Goff like we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, with Matt Ryan and the opportunity with him with Julio Jones uh, and then having Ridley as well I think that opens up the opportunity to buy into this team through the quarterback and I think Goff is continuing to develop forward I don't think in his rookie season we ever thought that he would get to the point he's at now but I still think that he's a strong buy in terms of a fantasy prospect and I think where he's going in current ADP, uh, I'm not. I'm surprised he's quite as high in terms of third, but I, I, I am expecting the, the possibility of that top ten finish and where he could finish up. So I do think he's a value. Rogers has been somebody who's consistently kind of fallen below his ADP at the quarterback position. He's always in that top kind of five six off the board, and he doesn't tend to finish in that top five or six at the end of the season in terms of the fantasy points scored. So uh, overall, not hugely shocked at it, but a, a little bit surprised just how high Goff is. Uh, were you surprised at the the shakeup at the quarterback position there? Uh, not when we look again at the play volume and some of those elements. Now, whether it's Gurley, whether it's Henderson, that offense is going to move the ball. They're going to score. They're going to put the quarterback in position to score a lot of points. And I think potentially, you know, if there is an issue there with Gurley, you know, you have the opportunity for Goff to really explode from a passing touchdown perspective. If they take some of their rushing touchdowns, move those to passing touchdowns, we could see even a little bit more of a bump in his numbers. Let me ask you about running back here and sort of staying away from the concerns about whether or not people will be available. I mean, clearly those are very legitimate concerns. I talk about that a lot in the the Running Back Landmines article, but purely from a projecting them playing perspective. Dave has Ezekiel Elliott two. That's above Saquon Barkley at three. Alvin Kamara and David Johnson in that three, four, five range. Do you have any particular favorites there Elliot is someone who aside from the fact that you have the holdout concerns he's someone who I would have below those other guys part of that may just be personal preference and how much I like those other players but I still see Elliot as perhaps having slightly less of an upside one of the things that is kind of interesting there is that you know you look at how his receiving numbers have really improved and that's that's so crucial in terms of in 2019, if you're going to draft a running back in those top five spots, they have to catch passes. Those other four guys have absurd upside as receivers. The thing that I think is interesting is what happened last year when Amari Cooper came over, because to me, it would be intuitive to think, okay, Cooper has really helped this offense, but he also gives them a receiving threat that they didn't have. So now we don't need to have as many dump offs to Elliott, but perhaps there are going to be a lot more opportunities for rushing touchdowns. Now that the offense works, we're going to get down by the goal line and Elliott's going to score. That's not exactly what happened. Elliott did benefit in a big way 
from Cooper. His numbers jumped from 18 points a game to 25 points a game. Some of that obviously just random, not necessarily uh, specifically because of Cooper. But the strange thing, and another reason to believe that it's not necessarily because of Cooper, is that his receptions increased while his rushing, rushing touchdowns remained approximately the same with those splits. So do you like Elliott up at number two? I know before the holdout concerns started to grow a little bit. He's a he's a pretty trendy pick at number two. A lot of people like him there. I like him more down at four or five. I think for me he would be um, you know, three or four. What I do think with Elliot versus Barkley, I think they're gonna have very similar overall touches at the end of the season in terms of combining carries and receptions. But I do think what we'll see is I think Elliot will have a slightly higher number of uh, of carries and we'll see a slightly number higher of receptions than for Barkley. Uh, somewhere where Elliot did really strive is in terms of receptions over the last uh, couple of seasons it's, it's bounced up quite a bit and he's added that to his game uh, we talked about it back when the trade happened where, where Cooper signed up where joined up with the Cowboys and I, I thought that would actually help Zeke in terms of both the rushing and the, the passing game in terms of opening up uh, you know the box for him there and I think we've seen that it helped Dak it really helped the entire offense when he came in there uh, I think that's going to continue to be the situation this season and I think that does also when you have wide receivers who need that coverage I think it opens up some of those shorter dump off passes for the running back as well so I think it's like you know it's at that top of the draft when you have those four picks in particular you know I've seen people have them in all different orders in terms of Kamara McCaffrey Elliott and Barkley and I, I feel that that that's a fair order depending on what way you're projecting it i do think though mccaffrey if it's a ppr league has a, a strong advantage based on the, the receiving side of it uh, i think kamara can have that added into his as well i think if you're looking at non-ppr and there's not many non-ppr leagues out there at the moment but i think elliot has the advantage over the four in that format but uh this season the holdout's starting to to be a little bit of a concern and i, I don't think up up until last year we probably weren't that concerned about running back holdouts but when bell then set out the whole season i think we're a little bit over uh, cautious this year I, realistically i don't know how how many get to week one without having something agreed or something signed up but uh, out of them if I if I was going and my preferred option I'd be taking McCaffrey then Barkley then Kamara or Elliot I kind of have them based very very similarly but I tend to I tend to look at the the other ones as having slightly higher uh, pass catching upside from that perspective. Okay moving over to wide receiver the number one pick for Dave, and I, I love this. I mean, we talked last week, I think, about Juju Smith-Schuster being my best overall value on the board, especially in terms of, of early players, someone you can consistently get or recently, you know, depending on format, consistently get in the second round and yet was my number six overall player. Dave, I think, takes it potentially one step further by having him easily the number one wide receiver and i mean approximately a 30 point gap to then your group with Devonte adams deandre hopkins and then we have julio jones odell beckham at five and six which i think are some interesting picks i don't think this should necessarily be a controversial pick especially again when we look at how you put projections together you look at the volume of an offense you look at the number of passing plays that we should have and then with pittsburgh obviously you look at the vast number of targets available you look at the overall opportunity in the system now one of the things that's interesting here is that we often have a situation where a player gets hurt and we claim that someone else has benefited perhaps a deandre hopkins benefiting from all of his secondary receivers getting hurt I mean, for the past couple of years you have the the very interesting question about you know does tyler boyd benefit or not 
if he doesn't have A.J. Green out there to draw coverage. And there's certainly some skepticism within the fantasy community that Smith-Schuster will actually benefit that much from Brown's departure because there's this idea that he relied on Brown drawing coverage and opening things up for him. So can Juju Smith-Schuster survive on his own? Should he be the number one wide receiver? Uh, in terms of number one overall, um, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. What I think this comes down to, Sean, is you talked about it on last week's show, is that you know trying to draft players who are currently going, say, in the seventh round who in November are going to be valued at third round or second round picks and winning your league that way. I think if you look at this now and we're projecting forward to the 2020 draft, I think it's not very hard to say that Juju Smith-Schuster will be probably in that top three picks in terms of wide receivers. And I think this is a decision based on, you know, if you're looking at it from a forward perspective and jumping forward into the next step, like you're looking at somebody who is just absolutely blowing away anybody who's ever played in the NFL in terms of at his age, hitting those numbers, what he's achieved throughout his career. Last year, for example, he did have 111 receptions. Like in all fairness this year, even if he gets a bump up in those targets, realistically we're going to have to start to cap the receptions at some point you know but even if he does what he did last year and just adds a little bit more onto that in terms of his 1426 yards uh you know seven touchdowns we could see that obviously bump him up into that kind of top two top three off the wide receiver position i think it's not going to be the common state and drafts where people are taking him at that uh first wide receiver off the board we're seeing adams and hopkins usually in those spots and uh, Michael Thomas we talked about Julio last week so there's a lot of guys there that are going in that range obviously, obviously Tyreek Hill uh, now with no suspension is going just slightly above him but I think overall uh, I, I wouldn't have any hesitation if somebody was saying that they thought he should be the first one there uh, when you're taking your first wide receiver are you I know you, you're very very high on Juju and, and I love him as a player but are you jumping that high would you be confident to take him first wide receiver off the board um i, I would likely still just edge into deandre hopkins or, or Devonte adams but you know in terms of overall um overall targets that are going to come his way this year i think he'll have something similar to to what he did last year and i think as I'm, i was kind of hitting on it with the the first two years in the league i really don't think anyone can say that you know Juju Smith-Schuster not having Antonio Brown is going to affect him negatively. I would be looking at it from the fact that last year he was basically the number two wide receiver on the team. This year he's gone into that you know alpha role as the, the number one wide receiver. And there's nothing that I've seen from Juju in, in his career so far that would expect me for not ha- for him not to excel in that role and you know just absolutely dominate again. So we've seen him 58 receptions, 111 receptions almost a thousand yards the first year like through two seasons he is uh, nearly two and a half thousand yards so i think we're going to see him uh, put up another dominant year but are you confident enough to, to pull the trigger at the the first wide receiver off the board i wouldn't have any problem making that pick i like him better in the second round just because you also get a first round pick who is another <laughs> player right yeah. so being able to get both of those guys would be my preference it's certainly easy to understand why drafters prefer hopkins adams and michael thomas all three of those players in 2018 we saw have success despite not having a lot else drawing coverage so we know that if they're in a situation where defenses are double and triple teaming them they can still score right they can still go up and get the ball they can still get open they're going to get that heavy target volume they're going to score touchdowns 
you know, we don't have to worry about what they're going to do. Now, in a couple of those cases, and specifically maybe Hopkins, you do have that issue of, well, if Fuller's healthy, if Katie's healthy, then, you know, maybe Hopkins actually loses quite a bit of target volume. I think on the other side of that, though, we can look at it from the perspective a little bit like what we saw in Pittsburgh last year with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster is that you could see the overall offense be much more explosive. You could see a Deshaun Watson finish as the number one overall quarterback and perhaps even put up Patrick Mahomes type numbers and then once that pie grows so sometimes the concerns about volume are easily offset by an improvement in just the team's overall number of plays which dave talked about and then also with efficiency right so i I think with all of those things in play adp makes a lot of sense certainly i like all of those wide receivers in that range colin we have uh, an interesting point here we'll kind of leave with the listeners let them go look at dave's projections play around a little bit and see what they think but just a little bit of a provocative teaser for getting in there and looking at the tight end numbers dave has kyle rudolph at nine hunter henry at 10 hunter henry is someone i've raised some questions about obviously some of the other rotoviz lighters like writers like a lot and henry is one of those very trendy picks especially in tight end premium formats where you really need to get that tight end in those middle rounds so jump in there see why dave has henry down at 10 uh certainly go to their podcast and give dave a hard time if you don't like henry there as always, allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and they've now grown into the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup Dynasty Leagues are forming right now from $77 and up in standard Superflex and Best Fall formats. And for all of you that are looking for the biggest challenge of your fantasy football career, take a look at the ffpc main event it's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football and this year it's coming at you with a half a million dollar grand prize and over 3.1 million in total prizes you can go to las vegas for the three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities or you can play at home from the comfort of your own home Main event drafts start August 23rd and run through the start of the season, so don't miss out. Head on over to myffpc.com. That is myffpc.com. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 
So Sean, looking now as we move forward into the third quarter, we're going to look at some of the second year breakouts that we might see in this year's NFL and particularly in fantasy football. Uh, this is a piece that you know we've hit on a couple of times. I know you've mentioned it, you've kind of teased it as we've gone on. We've talked about this as somewhere where we've targeted last year and we talked about Juju Smith-Schuster a moment ago. He was somebody who was at the very, very top of this list last year. So we're looking at who we should target, who we should get ready for, the uh, 2019 season in terms of who is that breakout value at the wide receiver position specifically in the second year so who are you really looking at this year what did you find out looking into it uh, and who is this year's Juju Smith-Schuster I guess we'll be asking you right so we are looking at this this big study and uh, you know from 2001 to 2018 we have 34 wide receivers who hit 200 points for the first time and you know that may seem like a lot but it's even accelerated where since 2010 we have 22 wide receivers who have hit that breakout during their second year which really i think emphasizes what we talk a lot about is that you need to be looking at these second year receivers these are some of the guys that we have been looking at sort of through the ages in our very first season we recommended josh gordon and alice sean jeffrey uh, they went off the board at wide receiver 34 and wide receiver 44 respectively and then exploded for 314 and 284 points so if you drafted those two guys you got almost 600 points from them and obviously with those picks then you probably won your league and we're looking at some of the specifics of these second year breakout players we've got the 34 guys 14 of them former first round picks nine second round picks six third round picks uh, in terms of hitting that threshold but also the big improvement 16 of those guys improved their scores by at least 100 points so it's not just that they're hitting that threshold but they're jumping with these big point improvements and i think that that offers some encouragement for people who are maybe concerned that okay well i want a calvin ridley but he's already very expensive you know certainly someone who broke out as a rookie but we've been promoting him and saying look his numbers suggest he's going to continue to grow you look at people like dj Moore, probably our favorite player on the entire site but would need to really improve his volume to be worth that you know fourth round draft spot i mean that's an enthusiastic draft slot already but history shows that these guys who make this jump they can score a lot of points for you and that brings to the next point is that we have josh gordon larry fitzgerald and alan robinson all three of those guys scored more than 300 points in their breakout seasons which in this study, we look at first, second, third, fourth, and fifth year breakouts to have three 300 point scorers in the second year breakouts. That's more than all of the other classes combined. And so, certainly a lot of reasons to be targeting the second year guys in terms of who is going to be the Juju Smith Schuster or who is going to be the Kenny Galladay. Now, these are some of the guys that we're looking at here. We go to the screen and we pick up the rookies with the best numbers. We've got DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Antonio Callaway, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who we've talked about a decent amount on the show, Dante Pettis, Traquan Smith, Robert Foster, Michael Gallup, and Kuti there. So in terms of some of the interesting ADPs, right, we have Callaway's ADP cratering with the acquisition of Odell Beckham. We have Anthony Miller, who looks like the best pure value play there someone who had some red flags on his profile but put up some good numbers last season uh, despite what was a fairly serious shoulder injury and so when we look at him you know they do have some extra guys in the running game they've got a Cordero Patterson but outside of Allen Robinson not a lot of competition on that Bears depth chart 
Another guy here that stands out to me in terms of people we haven't talked to talked about quite as much would be Dante Pettis. The 49ers added quite a few interesting pieces, but really guys who are more peripheral pieces and probably much more candidates to make an impact in 2020. So Colin, in terms of Miller and Pettis, are either one of those guys players that you're looking at in terms of, of all of these candidates here? And we'll go into this in more detail as we get uh, another couple of weeks closer to the season here. But are those two guys, are either one of them players that are showing up on a bunch of your rosters? I think that out of the two of them, now I think Pettis has a, a real chance. That I have a lot of concerns, though, with the 49ers roster in terms of there's so many moving parts, there's so many players who you think this could be a season where they break out at the running back position, at the wide receiver position. I should have kettle. Uh, there's a lot of question marks around this roster. So I think then when you're looking at a more settled roster, I think if you're looking at Anthony Miller, and you mentioned what he did last year, like that that shoulder injury, and he did he did tend to play through the majority of it last season, uh, you know, missed a couple of games, but was out there uh, in most of the games. I, I thought overall he was quite impressive. The problem that we had is that, you know, his receptions to touchdowns was a very high ratio. So that's likely going to lower down. He had 33 receptions and he had seven touchdowns. So he's probably not going to continue his touchdown pace, but we could easily see him, uh, you know, rack up more receptions um, and have more targets in the 54 he had last year uh, and then beat his yardage of, uh, to 423. But overall, I, I, I was, I, I liked Miller quite a bit coming out of college. And I think that he has a chance here in his second year to, to step up uh, and have a bigger role. Now, in terms of wide receiver competition, that's something that you hinted at i also think he has a pretty straight line run to you know quite a, a large amount of targets uh, alan robinson's the wide receiver one there and you know he had a pretty solid season for his first year uh with the bears last year but uh, didn't really have anything amazing to write home about but if you look at then the competition that it's with him is taylor gabriel uh, is the other wide receiver that he's likely to be competing with for a, a large majority of snaps then you have trey barton at adam shaheen at tight end so i think there's a really strong play there for him to, to bump up into a high target share uh, I think in his second year, he could really be somebody who steps up and breaks out uh, in terms of what he can do. Now, in terms of the list itself, the guys on the list that I really like, uh, we touched on them, uh, touched on one of them last week was uh, Valdez Scantling. The other one is Christian Kirk, who I, I, I truly, <laughs> I truly uh, love. He is on a huge amount of my rosters. So, um, you know, in that range, it's him that I'm taking. I've had to select one of the other ones. Uh, I think as you, you hit, hit on rightly, uh, you know, I've mentioned more on the show quite a bit earlier uh, in the off season. Um, he's somebody who's in a lot of my teams, but he is at a value or a place now where he's really going to have to be extremely, extremely good to, to really start to hit home on that ADP. So the, the ones then out of that that I'm really uh, targeting are Kirk. And then I, I will have some Miller uh, on the rosters, but Valdez Scantling as well. Uh, the player there that I, I'm looking at um, to see what your thoughts are um, this time last Last year, uh, particularly mid-season then when the, the changes happened at wide receiver, we thought we could see a breakout for him. That was Cortland Sutton, but it didn't really take off in the way that some people might have been expecting. I know in DFS a couple of weeks in the season last year, particularly when the injuries were happening uh, to the wide receivers there in Denver, we've seen uh, a lot of people in DFS jumping aboard the Cortland Sutton train, but it didn't really take off. Is he somebody you think can have a, a breakout this year? There, there is quite a few names in this list that are, are very talented, uh, and, and no doubt we will see a couple of them break out. But what about Sutton? Because he's the, he's the one that's coming in second in the screener. Sutton has, I think, that perfect balance of an underrated college profile certainly plenty of of deep ball athleticism and size a solid rookie season where he scored enough points to certainly give us some confidence that he can play at the nfl level 
ADP, where he is actually a little bit less trendy than so many of these players, in part, I think, because it's maybe a little bit difficult to get excited about a Joe Flacco offense. And then competition, where obviously Emmanuel Sanders, a very established, productive, above-average NFL wide receiver, but coming off of a difficult injury. Now, it looks like he will be more or less okay. But the track record of players coming back from injuries in this age range, certainly a serious injury like he has, people who are maybe getting close to the season, not yet at 100%. I think it's always a concern when you have an offseason and you're getting to the NFL time period, you're getting to training camp, you are starting to get into that time period where uh, the games you know, are only weeks away and the person is not yet 100%. You're having to recover from a serious injury during training camp as games are coming along we know how players who start the season fresh who start this season healthy who start the season in the quote best shape of their life you know it doesn't take a lot of nfl practice or certainly a lot of nfl hits for those players to be less than 100 percent. if you're coming in without being able to build up during the offseason if you're coming in not quite 100 percent yourself then i mean the nfl is unforgiving professional athletics is unforgiving even the great athletes, the very good players, don't have a lot you can give away before you're simply you know, just another guy. And so when we look at the Broncos' depth chart, we look at, uh, even in terms of the starters, the players who are going to play a lot of snaps and where that competition is going to come from, I don't think that Sutton has that much to worry about. It's certainly exciting in terms of where the growth might be there. So Sutton, definitely a guy in his ADP range. I think you should be loading up on knowing that there's some risk, knowing that, you know, he's probably not as much of a lock as these top, top, top prospects who were also in offenses that we don't have to worry about. Right. I mean, we have some concerns about this Broncos offense, but where he's being drafted, he's got a ton of upside. Yeah, and you mentioned something at the start, you know, in terms of the deep ball um, attributes that he has. Uh, if there's one thing that Joe Flacco can be uh, very, very good with, it's, uh, you know, deep ball <laughs> targets and putting up points that way. So that's something that's going to be of interest. Uh, if you look at last year, you know, in terms of his receptions and that, it, it was overall over the season as a rookie um, quite good. And I think we'll see the potential for that to jump forward this year. Uh, we did bash Antonio Callaway quite a bit on the show last year in terms of, you know, handling issues and things like that. Uh, you know, he did overall combine those uh, very very similar numbers to Cortland Sutton but I do think Odell Beckham coming in there has really uh, killed whatever value that he may have had it's going to really take an injury for him to really uh, have a role there but really really interesting uh, second year list Kiki Cootie Gallup in there as well Traquan Smith who we talked about quite a bit last season uh, so I think it's going to be a very very fascinating development to see who does break out of this list and there, there'll definitely be quite a few of these guys landing uh, on my rosters as we continue to get ready for the season so sean with that let's jump into the, the fourth quarter so sean we touched on it last week as well and it was uh, kind of on your kind of targets avoids list in terms of the big board um, and this week obviously we're kind of diving into it as you've uh, had another piece on the site that kind of evolved a little bit more details uh, you're talking specifically about the running backs we talked last week about in that kind of first uh, i believe it was the 24 running backs in terms of how many of them you were actually interested in and how many then we were avoiding in that kind of round two to six range of running backs but you've you've labeled quite a few of them here uh, as roster kill there's seven in fact and uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, was one of those guys last year who is the roster killers that you can see happening this year of course Bell did hold out the entire season 
we did touch on it earlier with the possibility of Garden and Elliot doing the same. I don't think it will happen, but I guess never say never. But who who do you think is the the guys to to really avoid and and don't get your rosters killed uh, before the season even starts? Yeah. So the idea of this exercise is to go through and see what aspects of a player's profile might be lurking there, ready to really jump up and sabotage your fantasy team. Blair Andrews has a really cool tool that's about to come out where it's going to allow you to project players simply based on their ADP and their position, right? So you'd be able to look at what is a wide receiver drafted in this range score? What is a running back drafted in this range score? And not surprisingly, it goes back to this idea that we've spent a lot of the offseason talking about, which is that running backs are structurally overvalued. Right? They're being drafted with the idea that they're going to score more points than they're actually going to score. Now, we can see why people would be going after them. All you have to do is look at those that list of players we were talking about for top five picks. Right, Everybody's going to want a Barkley. Everybody's going to want a Christian McCaffrey. Everybody is going to want a 2016 David Johnson but you don't necessarily want the 2018 David Johnson. And that's one of the things that we get into here where we look at, you know, who are these roster killers? What are the red flags? And looking at Bell, less than a 1% win rate, obviously not a surprise. He didn't play. You have Devontae Freeman, a 2% win rate. Jerick McKinnon, 2.5%. LaShawn McCoy, 2.6%. David Johnson, 2.8%. Letter Fournette, 2.9%. If you're drafting these guys early on, your team is being absolutely destroyed. So, you know, what are some of the red flags? Well, for Bell, we have the holdout. For Freeman and McKinnon, you have injury. For LaShawn McCoy, you've got an old guy in a bad offense. For David Johnson, you've got this big offensive scheme change. And so when we're trying to figure out who we should avoid in 2019, we want to understand the general ideas that Dave talks about when he's projecting the players. But we also want to be aware of the types of characteristics that might lead to a change in volume. Right? That's the number one thing that I like to emphasize, and we talked about that last week in terms of how do you build the board. Where are we going to see these changes in volume? And you see the changes in volume from some very clear-cut types of characteristics that every year lead to running backs collapsing. So with Le'Veon Bell, obviously you could play it safe and avoid Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. With the injury-prone guys, we have a big list of players who you know, might have some injuries with. And so you have the guys who are hurt after the season starts, then you have the people who come into camp and may not be completely healthy. Delvin Cook, right? 3.1% win rate last year, came into camp, wasn't completely healthy, had a little bit of a re-injury, missed some games, and was only the Dalvin Cook that you really want as your second round pick toward the end right we saw these fleeting examples of him but that wasn't the guy you were going to get and so when we're looking at people to avoid you can easily avoid Todd Gurley there you avoid Michelle you avoid someone like a Darius Geis you're going to avoid a Jarek McKinnon and when we're looking at how we can play some of these kinds of things you look at the San Francisco backs for example and say okay well we know that or we feel very strongly based on the track record of the individual backs and the track record of the coach on the offense that someone's going to break out here, maybe even a couple of guys. But 
it's confusing. We have ADPs in the same area. We have red flags for the different players. If we take McKinnon out, and that can be tricky because as we've gotten closer to the season, he's become the cheapest guy in a lot of different individual drafts. But when we take him out, we're targeting Tevin Coleman, we're targeting Matt Breida, and suddenly you have a situation there where you get a little bit more clarity. Now, Breida, injury as well, but not the lower body injury that is probably so draining or, or such a huge concern in terms of looking at these guys, um, which isn't to say that the other injuries can't be a little bit of an issue. Colm, going through this and then looking at the third and fourth round guys who will also kill you talked a lot about the fact that running backs in the third and fourth round have had just incredibly low win rates uh, over the past four years and we see again players with very clear avoid profiles in terms of jordan howard Kenyon drake mark ingram alex collins jay ajayi all of those guys destroying rosters last year in terms of that range who are the guys you're really looking to avoid and why in that range well, before we get into that, I just want to give a shout out to the point zero zero eight percent of Le'Veon Bell owners who did manage to win their leagues last year. Truly, an incredible achievement. <laughs> I think that probably narrows down to maybe one or two people in the entire world from from that number. But uh, when we look at that group, I think like there's a few of them in there that have uh, similar names to last year in terms of. I think Kenyon Drake is somebody who you've really had on. Uh, you mentioned it last week, and um, I've seen like since since we did the show last week, there's been so many different reports coming out of the situation in Miami in terms of the running back room and what could happen there so he's definitely someone to avoid uh, another player that's in that range is uh, Jordan Howard um, you know obviously we'll probably hear reports over the next couple of weeks of how he's worked this offseason to you know improve as a receiver but again that's going to be somewhere where I, I will uh, not believe the, the news um, then we've heard the reports of uh, how Miles Sanders is doing down there so there's a there's a lot of reasons to be concerned about Jordan Howard. Um, when we look through them, then they they are the two that lead to me as as big big concerns. Um, you know, last season we talked a lot about Mark Ingram and how he was really slowing down uh, the Saints offense and affecting that. I think he's going to start to become overdrafted as we get through into the season. Uh, the reason the reason for that is going to be uh, people are going to expect there to be a huge amount of running uh, back volume there. But again. As you mentioned last week, volume doesn't always equal success in terms of points uh, and production. But uh, those would be three guys that I'm really avoiding uh, in that kind of range and that kind of tier that are are scaring me. There's some players in there that that don't scare me, and I, I have some interest in. But there's just there's just too much research that's been done. Uh, there's too much stuff that we've seen on the site over the last, uh, particularly this offseason. There's some amazing work being done in terms of running back finishes. But in terms of that range between you know rounds three and rounds ten, really there there's a, a huge limited uh, t- in terms of overall win rates for those picks at running back. So on my rosters, it's basically going to be wide receivers uh, from from those rounds that are going to continue to fill up those teams are those the same kind of guys that are, are concerning you sean or is there any of those guys i mentioned that maybe aren't of a concern to you that you think there might be an interest in yeah you mentioned howard and, and it is interesting because they have put out a bunch of information this offseason saying that he was going to be a better receiver but that was the same thing that we heard last year going uh into the season with chicago with chicago saying they needed him to do that and then it, it, it's always one of those things where it's difficult to believe when a running back has been kicked off of a team essentially because of a lack of receiving profile and the next team is saying the same things that that team said a year ago we've talked about ryan collinsworth excellent 
research you know, on some of our last several shows, it definitely comes into play again here, where when you're re- avoiding backs with the lack of receiving profile, we have Nick Chubb, we have Derek Henry, we have Marlon Mack, we have Philip Lindsay, we have Michelle, we have Chris Carson, we have Lamar Miller. All of those guys finished 2018 with at least 70% of their fantasy points coming in the running game. And Ryan has demonstrated uh, very well how those elite running back one seasons are now coming from players who have a 50-50 split. Right, so in order to have the necessary upside to ups- to offset all of this risk, because we talk all the time about how these run-heavy running backs, the running back one guys with the big volume, they have this outsized injury risk. If you're going to offset just the natural red flags of the running back position, you need to have mega scoring. Well, we have that now from some players, and so you're definitely justified to take those big time backs but everyone else you still need to stay away from not only to avoid the individual landmine but in order to have the necessary roster construction so there's a really important double in terms of why we want to avoid those players you asked about some of the guys to target and part of the reason to do this exercise was to see who we were left with because perhaps you don't want to do zero running back perhaps you like a bunch of wide receivers in that five to 12 round range you really want to load up there and just it's your preference to have running backs which is the way that some people like to play fantasy football and in a way that you can win right so my recommendation is not you know let's avoid all of the guys for sure but if you like drafting the running backs early then let's just make sure that we pick guys who don't have those red flags and maybe have big time upside within those first four rounds so not surprisingly, there was not a lot left. But in the first round, we have the big time backs we talked about earlier. In the second round, we have Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook. Both of those guys, I think, are overvalued in relationship to the established receivers you can get and the likely point totals from those receivers. At the same time, Mixon and Cook, if you're looking at, well, who's going to be this year's Christian McCaffrey? Who's going to be the fringe first second round pick who the following year is being picked number one overall we're now seeing that a lot with McCaffrey considering all the problems the Giants have and how that affects Barkley's status you know who's going to be that guy Mixon or Cook would probably be that guy and we've talked about that some in the past so while you are taking on some risk you're getting the upside and that's what you want if you have the risk you need to have the upside to go with it then round three we have Aaron Jones and Carrion Johnson Both of those guys have the profiles to blow away the numbers you would expect at their ADP. Certainly, again, plenty of risk, but the profile to blow away their their draft slots. And then in round four, I don't have much of anyone remaining. However, we didn't have an explicit red flag on David Montgomery. We talked a little bit about some of the concerns with him, but certainly I think some of the The most obvious concerns have been offset a little bit by the fact that even now in NFL camp, um, his coaches love him. The offense is going to run through him. It looks like every day we get more and more reports that he is going to hurt Cohen and not as much the other way around. Now, there's reason to be skeptical of that. However, if we're talking about the fourth round, we're talking about upside, we're talking about a guy who fits with a lot of the things we want to do, then you know he starts to be someone you would consider. So those are the main guys that are left for me. Are there any of those guys you would also add to the avoid list? Or is there someone that I have crossed off that you would definitely bring back? 
Now, out of those guys, that's pretty much the the four that I would be targeting if I was going in the second or third round um, that you mentioned there. Um, it's interesting as well. You mentioned, you know, about uh, on Johnson. Obviously, Theoretic um, was cut by the Lions this week. I really didn't have him factored in too much this season, but I do think it helps a lot that he's not there because he was always likely to get, you know, 25 to 30 targets at a minimum. So I think that opens it up whether CJ Anderson gets some of those or on Johnson gets the majority of them. I think it still helps to kind of cement uh, Johnson's value um, at, at that point um, and, and have that upside. Um, the other ones that's interesting as well is Mixon, just obviously with AJ Green's injury, depending how severe that is, depending how much work extra he might get because of that, that's another interesting one to look at. But I do think both of those will see their ADPs probably creep up a bit over the next week or so, but they would be the guys in that range. And out of those, my favorite target out of them is on Johnson, who I have drafted quite a few times uh, th- this offseason. So they, they would be the ones that I would be looking at. Uh, you mentioned as well Jordan Howard uh, and the reports of him improving his uh, receiving over the last two off-seasons. I think it's probably the, the same reporters that were talking about <laughs> Blake Bartles uh, improving his accuracy over the, the first couple of years of his career. We all know that never happened. So uh, I'll sit back and uh, avoid Jordan Howard as much as, as much as we can. But as we get ready to wrap things up, let's jump into overtime. So, Sean, we've had a lot of players on today's show, and uh, we we have done this a couple of times. We're going to pick the player that we've talked about that you'd rather avoid uh, our target as much as uh, you know we've talked here. If you want to add in that player and give them a little bit of a spotlight, um, I think we like you know we've had on the avoids there. I think it's safe to say <laughs> it's safe to say that I'm avoiding Jordan Howard. Uh, he is one of the guys that I'm really avoiding. I think the one that I'm going to put in, I'll take a target to, to start it off, uh, and I'm going to go with Christian Kirk. I just think there's so much uh, changing in that offense, and I thought. There was enough last year with him in that offense with Rosen, uh, you know, in terms of his receptions, uh, sixty-eight receptions in the year. I think there's there's a good there's a good possibility we see him jump forward in that second year. He's a player I'm very very excited about. Uh, there is a lot of talk about him, uh, but there was also you know with the the receivers they've drafted, Andy Isabella and so on and so forth, and with the new quarterback coming in, with the hype on David Johnson, maybe he's just slipping a little bit under the radar. So he is somebody I think is in for a big second year in the league. Uh, he has that one year of experience over guys like Isabella who I also like but uh, Christian Kirk is the one that I would like to, to be spotlighting for uh, his second year breakout. Uh, who out of the, the show today is the one that you want to to list on the target or avoid and just spotlight? Yeah we I, so much effort and uh, time is spent on avoiding these running backs so I think I should pick out a guy that I'm definitely targeting in and show some enthusiasm for a couple of these oh, they're on a bus. <laughs> yeah who who could actually be the opposite of that now Curtis Patrick and I are, are you know starting into our preparation for our FFPC main event obviously uh, as all the listeners know very excited to participate in that format ffpc doing a lot of fantastic things one of which was the pros versus joes from the last week or so and and because i wanted to see you know what i was dealing with in terms of of curtis's picks uh looked at at his draft board and one of the things that was surprising there is that carry on johnson actually fell into the fourth round of his league and and that shocked me because with running backs so overvalued for the guy that I really want to go in round four, I, I thought that was surprising. Now, Curtis and I have landed the fourth pick. And so in the first first round, we're probably going to be looking at the Elliott, Camara, David Johnson kind of range. And 
you know, choosing between one of those guys, certainly not impossible that we would grab one of the top wide receivers because we talked a lot in the best ball round table this week. Uh, if you haven't seen that, we have Michael Dubner, uh, John Lipinski, uh, Monty Fawn. Uh, some of the guys you're really familiar with are, are elite best ball writers. Uh, three different articles out based on a conversation that we had and discussed how zero running back will work in the FFPC. And then you can see that in the roster construction explorer. You know, check that out if you have a chance. So I don't want to give away that there's no chance that we would pick a wide receiver. But if we're looking at those guys and trying to do the one elite running back construction which all of our best ball research points so heavily in that direction then we'd be looking at say an ezekiel elliott and then wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver however it started to you know be a little bit more intriguing to me to think about carry on johnson in that third spot there obviously he's not going to wrap all the way back around to our spot in the fourth round and i I mean, I, it strikes me, and, and certainly I would expect it to strike some list, listeners as blasphemy to have two running backs in those first three slots there. But to start with an Elliott or a Camara Johnson team with a bunch of other wide receivers, that would be interesting, right? You're taking on all of those running back injuries. Carrion got hurt last year. The Lions offense <laughs> may be flat out terrible and if that happens maybe he catches some more passes but you know goes the year without scoring any touchdowns i mean it's easy to forget now that melvin gordon basically went an entire season without scoring so uh, if your offense is bad enough and the detroit lions have a little bit of that vibe right now of being a team where they're going to be like well we'll just win zero to zero or we'll win zero to negative seven and try and figure out how that would work you know afterwards uh so you know if you're gonna draft carry on johnson it, it's not all of a sudden that you then have the easy clear league winner but carry on's my guy if we're looking at running backs early i would take him and you know perhaps i'll end up with a, a double uh elite running back team there for the ffpc main event sounds good uh definitely i'm I'm all aboard with that sean um, i have no problem with the uh, carry on johnson in that spot and it's nice to, to get a bit of highlight because i think we do uh bash the running backs quite a bit here so it's it's nice to to give some positive spin on their name and for all the listeners of course don't forget we will be uh, over the coming weeks highlighting as sean releases some of those uh, zero rb candidates um as we all know that they will be helping our teams immensely as we get ready for the season uh, so with that it's going to do it for today's show we've covered a lot of ground a lot of fun i mentioned earlier in the show as well uh, if you sign up for rotoviz patreon uh, we will be doing draft or we'll do, be doing giveaways over the, the next couple of weeks and if you sign up before this weekend there is two more to give away so get signed up i'll be doing that draw this sunday evening to make sure there'll be two more getting those ffpc 35 dollar double up entry so you're paying a six dollar fee for the month to get into the rotoviz uh, slack and then of course you have the bonus opportunity of winning a 35 dollar entry so great value to be had there do sign up that is patreon.com forward slash rotoviz and with that it's going to do it for today's edition of the show as always my name is colin kelly and uh, you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel who you can follow on twitter at ff underscore contrarian of course make sure you're following at rotoviz on twitter as well and with that until we're back next week have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. 
And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a 10% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage. That's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.